Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything, and we're launching into hour number one of the program. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site there for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. I guess uh, this is probably breaking news. I don't imagine this has hit any news services or anything like that at this point. But uh, our friend, Lauren Canario, who has been in jail for what's looking like, I think, 36 days now, 37 days, somewhere around there. Well, well over a month. She's out. Yes. I did not know that. I am glad to hear it. Lauren is, uh, once again, a semi-free person instead of being completely uh, imprisoned. She had uh, gone to jail originally for not showing her papers when she was pulled over for speeding on a New Hampshire state road, uh, again, over a month ago. And then once she had been in jail for a day, they tried to give her her arraignment. And if you know Lauren then you know that uh, she's not interested in cooperating with the system in any way, shape, or form, which is the reason why she didn't have papers in the first place, because she doesn't want to have to jump through the government's hoops. Uh, and and I agree with her. I don't think that she should have to. But the government people disagree, and so they put her in a jail cell, and then they tried to bring her to a courtroom the next day uh, in order to give her an arraignment on her charges, which were um, more than just speeding. It was also driving without a registered vehicle. The car was unregistered in New Hampshire. Also had no plates on it, right? Didn't have any plates. So there was a number of charges. Resisting arrest was another one, which is total bunk because she doesn't resist. She just doesn't help them. She she forces them to essentially carry her from one point to another. So they carried her onto the little paddy wagon that they took her to the courtroom in. But then they refused to remove her from the paddy wagon. They wanted her to voluntarily leave the paddy wagon and go into the courtroom so she could be arraigned, which, again, she is not interested in cooperating with them, so she didn't do that. And at that point, the judge then uh, slapped her with a contempt charge and told her that she was going to be in jail indefinitely until she decided that she wanted to be arraigned. So that's when she went back off to the prison, and they kept coming back to her frequently to ask her if she wanted to be arraigned, and she would just, you know... Not participate, not essentially ignore them, as I understand it. And so it just continued on and on and on for weeks upon weeks. Of course, protests were building outside of the jail. There are a number of liberty activists here in New Hampshire that, that came to uh, to go out and, and hold signs and, and make themselves known. And in fact, the prisoners did notice. Uh, they were banging on the windows, holding up free Lauren signs. <laughs> Apparently on the inside, the prisoners were singing songs about freeing Lauren and that sort of thing. And so it really did cause quite a, a commotion inside the prison, uh, the entire situation, because Lauren wasn't forgotten about once uh, she was in there. In fact, people were constantly sending letters and things for her to read and that sort of thing. And uh, the entire time she had only... Uh, the entire time she was in there, she had only sent out two letters. So we were beginning to get concerned that they had removed her letter-writing privileges as well. But at this point, she's out, and I'm sure we're going to uh, to try to get her on the show as we... Well, apparently we typically do when she gets uh, out of jail. Lauren usually makes a, a guest appearance on the program. Now, I made the prediction that Lauren would be out within two weeks, and I was right. You were right, and according to uh, Dale... One of our listeners, so this is just the, the most recent information. This happened this afternoon, Lauren getting out. He said the trial lasted about an hour. This is posted over at nhfree.com on the forum. The trial lasted about an hour to an hour and a half. How'd they get her in the trial? 
many of us, I, I haven't even read this yet, Mark. Okay. It's this, let's, uh, hear, fresh. let's hear it. Uh, many of us did not rise when the judge came in, but we did rise when Lauren walked in. I think she was a bit startled at first at the sudden motion, but then she smiled at us. Russell cheered a little bit, and the judge shushed him, and then she knew and said she knew that we were there in support of Lauren, but if we disrupted the courtroom, we'd have to leave. The defense made a good case, I think. He tried hard. I thought he was rock-solid fighting the resisting arrest charge charges, of which there were several somehow. One or two small charges were dismissed, but most were not. I don't remember the exact details of what stuck or not. Perhaps someone else can update that later. When the judge called for a short recess, and we did not rise when ordered as she got up, we got some heated glares from the many officers standing around. Someone grumbled that we should be arrested next time we didn't rise. The judge came back and started handing out judgments for crimes, and the whole thing just happened to add up to the time served, which is what we expected to happen. The prosecution pushed for some more stuff. It looked like they were upset because she wasn't punished harshly enough. There was some fuss about booking because Lauren hadn't cooperated, still hadn't cooperated to get booked, which means that, again, non-cooperation for Lauren means she doesn't sign any of their forms. She doesn't, if they want her to give fingerprints, she doesn't assist them with that. She wouldn't resist if they grabbed her arm and physically moved her into whatever position she needed to be in order to give the fingerprints. She just turns into a rag doll. Yeah, essentially, yeah. So she doesn't voluntarily give up any of this information. Uh, Dale says, my heart kind of sank because I was thinking she wasn't, she still wasn't going to cooperate, which I support her 100%, of course, but I just really wanted her to get out. So the officer started being bossy with her again, and she froze in her tracks, and I, I said, crap, something's going to happen. But then her lawyer and s- lawyer said something and kind of coaxed her and s- smoothed things out, and she left the courtroom. So then we were still not sure if she'd get out. I asked Jim if she'd cooperate, and he shrugged and said, it depends on how they treat her. So we waited at the pizza place next door while Jim drove back to the station, speculated a while about whether she'd cooperate and get out, and then they showed up, and we all had a nice chat at the pizza place. Uh, and then they go on a, it goes on with a few more comments. But So essentially she's, she is out, mm. and uh, it happened this afternoon. I'm sure we'll get more information. Perhaps some of the, uh, the people that were there could, uh, can call in and tell their version of the story. And, of course, as soon as I get a chance and as soon as Lauren gets a chance to go home and get some real sleep, then we'll try to schedule her for the show, maybe Friday or Saturday night or something like that. So good news. I, yeah, I would say so. 800-259-9231. Uh, we continue. Let's go to the phones and talk to Fred in Colorado. Fred, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hello, uh, guys. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's on your mind? Oh, okay, great. Um, I'd like for you to please indulge me a bit. I'm going to pretend to be a neoconservative, and I'm gonna. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll probably be a bit more uh, coherent than most neoconservatives. Okay, this should but be fun. Let's, let's pretend that we are. Careful, your, your face might of, stick like that. I'm sorry. I said, careful, oh, yeah. your face might stick like that. Slaps me in the back, right? <laughs> Um, um, if uh, let's pretend that we've already we've already been in an argument, and I've already accused you of being liberals and everything else, and okay. you hate America and so forth. Um, and we've gotten to the point where I say, well, if you guys hate the war on terror so much, and if you think it's going so badly, um, and I'm going to jump into character here in a bit, um, then uh, how do you explain uh, why we haven't suffered any terrorist attacks since 9/11? So you know, you know, now, actually, now it's your turn. Uh, we actually talked about this a few nights ago on the program and how okay, it's, just, it's, uh, it's simply just a matter of government. Uh, they're not really actually out there stopping the terrorist attacks. It's just a matter of the terrorists, for whatever reason, aren't attacking uh, because it mm-hmm. wouldn't really be that hard to blow things up in America. You right. just it, have to build I a mean, bomb. It, after all, aren't the borders a, you know, porous and can't uh, 20 million illegal aliens get across that border? 
Oh, yeah, that's a good one. See, I'm not a neoconservative man, right. so I guess I don't know their arguments so, very so well. So how could a, a twice wily con, um, terrorist possibly be uh, foiled by our uh, border guards when uh, apparently, uh, you know, peasant uh, Mexicans can uh, just uh, come across in droves? Right. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. if they wanted to get across, um, get here in America, they could. And I I, I don't think that uh, many... The hijackers neo- were legal. Mm-hmm. Many neocons... Right, the hijackers were legal. Yeah, Saudi they were Arabia, legal. I might add. Not Iraq. Right, from one of our allies, yeah. Yeah, so-called allies. And the other right, thing, too, allies. by the way, is before 9-11, we already had the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, and all the other alphabet soup agencies. So what is their answer? They want to create the Department of Homeland Security and the TSA and all these new bureaucracies. That are, right, that and just... then we already have the Department of Defense. And what, is, what does that mean, Department of Defense? If you, read, if you, if you listen to that literally, if, if somebody had no idea what the United States even was, and you said, yes, we're a country, and within this country you have something called the Department of Defense, and then later you told them we also have something called the Home Department of Homeland Security, they would just be completely mystified. Why do you have two? Yes, so it does sound like <laughs> the same thing, doesn't it? Because yeah, apparently exactly. defense means something different in legalese. See, legalese, they can change the words of things. You know, right. I, well, another... I, see, I got stuck listening to uh, my computer was down, uh, and I got stuck listening to the hot air balloon uh, three hours a day all week long. <laughs> Who's that, Rush Limbaugh? Uh, on, on my local AM station. It's all the same so. stuff, yeah. You know, you know, another Russian good point is that uh, the TSA misses set 50, at least 50% of guns, knives, and bombs that, uh, you know, go through their little, that they test themselves on. So how in the world are they keeping um, terrorists from blowing up airplanes? It's tough to role play with us on this one, it, you know, if, especially if you can't keep the neocon arguments going. But thanks for the try, man. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. The arguments of liberty are just that persuasive. Talk Live is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. We've got live streams there, broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version. Both of them are for free, and they're waiting for you at freetalklive.com. And would you like to pay higher prices for goods and services? Well, you do every time someone doesn't pay their bills. That's one of the many compelling reasons SACL CAI has been at the corner of collect- cornerstone of collections for more than 35 years. Before you pay higher prices, think whether the business could use some help with their collections to contain costs so they're not passed on to you. Tell them to call the dedicated collections experts at SACL CAI for a no-cost, no-obligation proposal. SACL CAI. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. All right, so we just got off the phone with a uh, gentleman that started with a good premise to his phone call, and that was that he was going to play the role of neoconservative. And it's it, it's difficult to do that uh, to to do the role playing just in general. Yeah, it is. And, it is. You know, you don't you never know when to start. And but uh, how do you fight that? I mean, as a neocon, once the the liberty people make their point, and it's based out of principle, and it's based out of common sense. You know, you're stuck in the mud. Well, yeah, unless you can't you just go, go choose to another talking to point. It. That's it. You could just choose not to believe what, yeah. what what's said. I always love the one they say. Well, if we if we get out of Iraq, they're going to follow us home and kill us all. Yeah, I love that one. It's absurd. Yeah, <laughs> the idea is not so. I mean, what what the terrorists say is, we want you out of the Middle East. So if we get out of the Middle East, they're going to follow us over here. Ludicrous. Yeah. Right, like those guys that uh, allegedly did not, uh, September 11th were the only terrorists yeah. <laughs> in all of the 300 million people living in this country, that there was only 15 of them or 19 of them or whatever, and that there's nobody else here, and that if there is anybody else here, they're all sitting back watching Iraq 
waiting and seeing what happens there before they attack someone in America? Yeah, and I mean, the, come on. And there's this whole, like, cache, this club of terrorists that are over in Iraq, and and, and we're fighting them over there. And, and if we leave, then they're going to say, let's go get them. Yeah. And they're gonna f- it's, it's so silly. Like, all the terrorists are there. Have we thought maybe that we're creating more terrorists every day by being over there? I don't understand why people believe what the, when they're t- believe it when they're told that. I mean, it's just so easy to look at and see this is bunk. I mean, why would you just look? Why would someone tell? Why would when they're t- when someone is told that would they just accept it? Because well, they've heard it so many times on Fox News. Well, you know, there, here's let let me uh, step into the role of neocon real quick, and I'll sort of uh, tell you what it's like. As a neocon, I believe that uh, the that in fact it's the terrorists hate America. They hate freedom. They hate the democracy we're spreading across the world. Mm-hmm. They they really hate Christianity in general. They hate and Britney we're a Christian Spears, nation. And they hate Britney Spears' belly button. <laughs> right. They they hate the uh, the the decadence of the West. All that stuff. Um, they 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 certainly hate pork and they they certainly hate porn. And now wait, is it because sure. it's it, now when you say the West, you mean west of the Atlantic Ocean? I don't know what West I mean. Because you I mean know, Switzerland I has Europe and uh, United States. What about Switzerland though? Why aren't they blowing up Switzerland? I mean, they have a, sort of a similar cultural style. Um, As a neocon, I don't really pay attention to international politics, <laughs> but I do pay attention to what the talking um, Republicans say on the radio, and that is Europe is in fact lousy with Islamic rad- radicals right now to the point that they're actually, um, you know, soon it will be Eurabia. Um, the, the, the Muslims will have taken over Europe. And oh, I see. That will show us, won't it, hmm. for letting right. them run unchecked? But you know, you know what started that was the intervention in Bosnia. When we went in and blew up Bosnia and broke Bosnia, a lot of a lot of uh, refugees ended up going up into Europe in the last uh, five or ten years. Well, um, Bosnia was uh, essentially the Serbs were coming in and, and making it difficult to live in Bosnia anyway. I think you probably would have had the refugees. I mean, certainly we got involved. I don't think we should have gotten involved, but I don't think it's us blowing up Bosnia. I think that no. was more the Serbs blowing up Bosnia, and we were trying to protect Bosnia. No, we stirred up the pot, though. I think well, not we, but our, our government, our military. Uh, it, it, it's difficult to second guess these things. Of you know what's our already happened is but, happened. But a good yeah. point in Switzerland is that in Switzerland everybody's armed. You know, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a machine gun in every household. I'd like to see a, a group of terrorists mess with them. Well, Switzerland uh, is not offering citizenship, um, or therefore some of the benefits of citizenship to its, uh, you know, to the Muslims that are coming in. They're making them worth, uh, work essentially as garbage men and you know low positions. Um, they're, they're using them as serfs, like we are our, um, the illegal, excuse me, illegal aliens. So uh, what the what the radical terrorists are doing over there in the Middle East is the mullahs are taking the young boys and they're warping their minds to hate America and all the things that it stands for. So that is where the new uh, crop of terrorists is constantly coming from. It's coming from the mullahs, the radical Islamic mullahs. It's not coming from, in fact, America being over there, um, keeping its dictators in charge and uh, blowing <laughs> up people in Iraq. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the radical Islamic mullahs. So what we in fact have to do, hunt them down, is we have to grow the um, we have to grow the military to the point that we can take over all of the Middle East and bring democracy oh to all of it and uh, kill wow. all the radical mullahs. Now, how are you going to pay for that? Uh, well, well, we're going to tax your ass. No, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, print more money and uh, no neocon would say that and, pr- and put more of your kids in jail or no, more, uh, you know, more in, in a prison of debt in the future. Mm. 
Um, and, and, you know, a neocon likely would say the draft. Yeah, and those those draft winds are still blowing out there. I saw an article about it today. Some Democratic senator was talking about how he believes it's inevitable. Um, he was he was saying, well, not that I think we should have one, but I believe it's going to happen whether we want one or not. You know, no, it shouldn't happen. It's an awful idea. That's the draft is slavery, but that's a whole other issue. Uh, enough of this role playing. Uh, let's talk about what else is going on around the world because we actually haven't touched on Pakistan on this show yet, and. It's pretty important what's happening over there. They've uh, declared a st- that the president or whatever has declared a state of emergency. And now apparently Pakistan isn't the only country in the world right now declaring a state of emergency. Georgia, the former Soviet Union uh, state, is also declaring a state of emergency. Uh, but first, we should talk about Pakistan. Didn't From- California declare a state of emergency with the uh, the fires and stuff, too? I believe There's so. Emergencies everywhere. California. I, I believe so, but I don't think California it was taken quite as oh I don't know seriously as they did out in Pakistan. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, from op-ed news, Justin Finney reporting President Musharraf's declaration of martial law in Pakistan has engendered two sorts of reactions in the world: mutiny and uproar from the legislative arm within Pakistan, and doleful finger uh, finger wagging from the most from most Western governments. Nowhere more so than the U.S. Speaking in front of reporters at a press conference beside Turkish, the Turkish Prime Minister, President Bush expressed disappointment with President Musharraf's decision. He said, we expect there will be, there'll be elections as soon as possible, and the president should remove his military uniform. But any doubts about the Bush administration's dependence on Musharraf were quickly dispelled, as he said, we want to continue working with him to Hold fight on, these terrorists. Hold on, before we go any farther, our president is the commander-in-chief of the armed services. That's right. But he wears a civilian uniform. He wears, you know, a suit. That's right. So the difference between a, um, you know, a coup d'etat leader like this Musharraf, uh, you know, essentially a military leader, um, and what Bush is proposing, he changes clothes. Wait a minute! No, 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 no! That wasn't. Uh... Oh yeah, you're right. That That's is what, what he Bush said. said. <laughs> he said he has to. Ch- he should. He should change his clothes. No. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what well, what kind of answer says, is that? Well, he also says we want to continue working with him to fight these terrorists and extremists. So apparently, this whole point about them. But he has to change his clothes first. Yeah, installing this uh, police state over there, military rule, is not bothering George Bush, almost not even one iota. More on the way about the crackdown in Pakistan and Georgia. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where the features are free. Updates included. Get signed up. We'll keep you on the list whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Uh, You'll know first if you're on the list. That's updates.freetalklive.com to get on it. Updates.freetalklive.com. Are you having trouble getting um, the restful sleep your body so desperately needs? Before you reach for addictive pills, try the Sleep Generator. It's a CD that uses scientifically engineered audio frequencies that interact with the human brain in such a way that it almost forces quick, safe, and non-addictive sleep. So if you're really having trouble falling asleep, go to highspeedsleep.com. Remember, for deep, restful sleep, 
It's highspeedsleep.com. So and, I wanted to say, Ian, I tried the uh, high-speed sleep thing t- today and uh, had an experience that really surprised me. Hmm. Um, now, I didn't they, – they had the Sleep Generator CD, and he also sent me a CD called Happiness. It's sort of a, uh, you know, uh, meditation-type CD or something okay. like that. And um, I, it, I wanted to try it out, and, you know, the, sort of these waves of euphoria were washing over me. Wow. Over, you know, maybe a 15-minute period of time. It was difficult for me to, to step down in the middle of my day. I wanted to go make telephone calls or whatever. But, you know, it, it had an effect on me, and I actually fell asleep. By, and this isn't the sleep CD. <laughs> I fell asleep <laughs> within 20 minutes, and uh, my wife's alarm woke me up. And I don't fall asleep without uh, a cigar. Were you, were you tired, particularly tired? No, I no? slept well last night. So interesting. I wasn't. It wasn't even about sleep. It just sort of, you know, relaxed me to the point that it, I drifted off. Very good. Well, I know you're going to continue experimenting with that, and mm-hmm. uh, I've got a copy as well that I've been toying with. I just haven't really had a chance to uh, to put it to serious use. Uh, more on the way here. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Your calls if you make them. We're talking about Pakistan and also uh, the the former Russian state of Georgia or former uh, Soviet Union state. Also, declaring a state of emergency, as Pakistan has done, um, not for the same reasons necessarily, but uh, we're reading a story from Op-Ed News about the situation in Pakistan. President Bush's response to it is that uh, they want to keep working together uh, because, the, well, Pakistan is essentially one of the United States government's allies, and apparently it doesn't matter what awful things they're over there <laughs> doing to their own people. Good word, allies. They're, they're still partners in our fight against terror. mm and uh, Bush said, in, uh, apparently, in addition, according to the article, it's been made clear that cuts in aid are extremely unlikely. He said, we are, or actually, excuse me, this is Robert Gates, the defense secretary. He said, we're reviewing all of our assistance programs, although we're mindful not to do anything that would undermine ongoing counterterrorism efforts. So once again, there's that government doublespeak going on there. Um, there's not a lot of it in there, but we are reviewing the assistance programs. Oh, okay, yeah. So does that mean anything besides the fact that you're reviewing them? No. Does it mean they're going to take any action, make any changes, cut the foreign aid to Pakistan? No. It just means that they're saying something to sort of placate people to say, don't you worry there, Americans. We're we're reviewing the records. We're reviewing the, the uh, situation. You know, if, if it was Saddam Hussein, we'd rush right in there and uh, establish democracy, wouldn't we? Well, yeah, Saddam Hussein apparently was a bad man, but uh, this man who's also doing bad things, as long as he's sanctioned by the United States government, then he's not a bad man or something like that. Central America all over again. Yeah, if he's playing ball with them, reasonably so. Given the vast majority of arrests in Pakistan since martial law was declared have been lawyers, it's somewhat ambiguous what President Bush means by terrorists and extremists. Of course, Pakistan does have a problem with Islamic extremists who are angry with Musharraf's turnabout since 9-11. Previous to Musharraf's deal with Washington, which for his help in Afghanistan lifted sanctions initially enacted over Pakistan's nuclear defiance and poured in aid, which has totaled almost $11 billion currently. It was a critical supporter to the Taliban. According to a policy paper written by the Cato Institute, quote, leading Pakistani political, military, and religious figures and radical Islamic groups were providing direct support in the form of financial resources and military assistance to the Taliban and al-Qaeda. So essentially pointing out that the foreign aid the United States government was giving to Pakistan ended up being funneled into the Taliban and al-Qaeda. What a surprise. Yeah. But yet they are still sending your tax dollars over there. Hmm. 
If Washington's support for Musharraf as he seizes power to forestall a court decision on the legality of his dual power as president and military commander teaches us anything, it's that democracy promotion is an afterthought of U.S. foreign policy. Now, not that that's what I want the United States to be doing. I don't want them going around spreading democracy, which is what they claim to be doing. But it's that what he's pointing out here is that's not what they're doing. That's just what they claim. That's what the, one of the reasons is they're supposedly over in all these countries invading them and supposedly spreading democracy. But it's clear from their actions and clear from the facts that they could give a flip about that. Uh, but what about democracy here at home in the United States? If the Bush administration ever felt desperate enough politically, could it or would it ever arbitrarily declare martial law? A yes answer might not be so far out there, and it would arguably be legal thanks to a rider inserted in the 2007 Defense Authorization Act. Now, this happens. Uh, this happened last year. The Defense Authorization mm-hmm. Act of 2007 was passed, and we talked about this at that time. This adds a little bit of new information, and if you hadn't heard this information then, hearing it now certainly isn't a bad idea. Uh, these things are, are passed every fiscal year, by the way, to authorize appropriations for the Department of Defense. Now, when the 2007 draft was written, amendments were made to the Insurrection Act, which was a bill passed back in the early 1800s, 1807, to give the president the power to deploy troops in the event of an insurrection or rebellion. The main changes made to the Insurrection Act were primarily in uh, one section, uh, section 333, and here's what they changed. The new uh, revisions revise federal provisions allowing the president to utilize the armed forces in connection with interference with federal and state law to allow the president to employ the armed forces and natural guard or national guard rather in a federal in federal service to restore public order in cases of natural disaster epidemic or other public health emergency terrorist attack or incident or domestic violence. It requires the president to notify Congress within 14 days, blah, 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 blah. So in short, where the original Insurrection Act from the 1800s only permitted the the declaration of martial law in the face of a rebellion, Mm -hmm. the new changes allow the president to declare martial law for virtually anything that might be deemed as an emergency. So now if there's a natural disaster, the president can declare martial law. Because of the changes to the Insurrection Act made in the Defense Authorization Act, of I think it's just despicable, you know, from a, a country that was born out of a rebellion that we should outlaw rebellion. Well, yeah, I agree with that too, Mark. Um, but you know, it, now it's more than that. Now it's more than just rebellion. It's virtually anything that the president says. This is an emergency. We need the, the military here. We need the military in the tr- in the streets, like uh, like police, but not police because they're the military, and that's not supposed to be allowed in America. But now it's legal. Interestingly enough, there's also another alarming phrase that was added to the Insurrection Act, which says, "Whenever the president considers it necessary to use the militia or the armed forces under this chapter, he shall, by proclamation, immediately order the insurgents or those obstructing the enforcement of the laws to disperse and retire peaceably to their abodes within a limited time." Now, those obstructing the enforcement of the laws could, of course, potentially be interpreted to apply to anyone the administration saw as an obstruction to its policies, like peaceably demonstrating activists or opposition political leaders, etc. So now the president has a new bro- now that the president has new broad powers to declare martial law, and unlike Pakistan, a Supreme Court that's in many ways philosophically aligned with the Bush administration, the question is: Are there any feasible scenarios under which Bush might declare martial law before his term is up? And 
there certainly are some possibilities. And he goes on to, you know, speculate on some of the things that could happen. But the point is, virtually anything awful that occurs, again, doesn't even have to be a terrorist attack. A terrorist incident qualifies. How about how about a financial collapse? I imagine so. Uh, again, it's any, let's see, the definition is natural disaster, epidemic, or other public health emergency, terrorist attack or incident, or domestic violence. So, well, I suppose you could maybe put that in under, mm, I guess epidemic doesn't really, eh, it's not a natural disaster either. It's an incident. It is an incident, that is true. But is a terrorist incident? I'm not sure. No. Anyway, nonetheless, uh, a terrorist incident could simply be the the breaking up of one of these terrorist cells that they've allegedly been breaking up over time. We talked about that last night, how they they use these agent provocateurs to go in and scare up people into talking about setting bombs off, and then they bust it and they pat themselves on the back for doing something. That could be an incident more on the way. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. Sankel CAI toll free line. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are totally free. And so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. So just start your shopping experience there. Everything else is the same. Same old Amazon, same great prices, super saver shipping deals as well. Uh, It's all there. Just enter through amazon.freetalklive.com, and Free Talk Live gets a percentage. That simple. Amazon.freetalklive.com. So Pakistan has a state of emergency uh, where, of course, uh, freedom of speech is being suppressed, and all kinds of freedoms are being suppressed. That's what happens when uh, martial law is going on. And the question on the table earlier from this article over at, uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, Op-Ed News, was could this happen here? Could this happen in uh, in America? Absolutely. It not only could it happen, but it would also be legal if it did because of some of the changes they made to the Insurre- uh, Insurrection Act last year when they passed the Defense Authorization Act of 2007. I mean, it's all legal. George Bush can now use the flimsiest of excuses to drop military troops on your streets, the streets of your city or your town. Now, a lot of Americans love the military, right? They, they you know, they've got their... Ribbons on the backs of their cars support our troops and all of that. But they've never really had to come face to face with any military. I mean, besides their friends or family members who are members of the military, they've never had to come face to face with a, oh, I don't know, a roadblock operated by military people. That's never happened in our America. Right. You know, the military's not going along wiping people out in this in this country. I just don't see how that will happen in the long run. Maybe it maybe for a few weeks or months, but think about this. You have uh, how many military, active military uh, people, personnel are Ron Paul supporters, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long are they going to take bad orders domestically? That's another good question. Uh, there are a lot of Ron Paul supporters out there, though I think most of his military supporters are inactive military supporters. They're even re- retired people. But even active within the active military, he still has the most uh, donations. Is that true? Yes. Okay, okay. I'd heard it differently, but either way, I'm sure he's got a number of supporters, and, and hopefully a number of them would say no. But the, I mean, if they're being given bad orders and some of the military people say no, there's still going to be a number of them that are going to say yes and follow those orders. Well, maybe at first. 
But I think when they start to think a little bit and they start to talk amongst themselves, I think you could have a mutiny on your hands. Maybe so. It's certainly an optimistic way to look at things, Wayne. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, the fact is these things could happen here. The legal uh, wrangling that needed to be done in order to legalize it has been done. And so now just essentially you're waiting for that hat to drop. You're waiting for some new disaster or some new terrorist strike or whatever incident as it's being uh, described to give them the excuse and, of course, some people have speculated that it could happen in 2008 and give them an excuse to suspend the elections. Sure. Yeah, I've heard that before, too. What happens then? I mean, if that were to happen, just in the land of fantasy here, what would the American people do? What would be your response? 800-259-9231. If all of a sudden, you you know, it's Ron Paul keeps gaining momentum in 2008. Momentum, momentum. Maybe he even wins the primary, okay? And then... Middle middle of summer, end of summer, something occurs, and then President Bush decides this is such an important thing, he's got to declare a state of emergency and only temporarily suspend the elections until we can get this new terrorist problem rooted out. We've got new terrorists in the country. We've got to find them before we can actually go on with the elections. Yeah. You know, the other, the other problem with the Ron Paul phenomenon for the people in power is that there was just a straw poll done in New York, which is Giuliani's state, and Ron Paul beat him. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, very I, uh, cool. I, I never thought he'd win a straw poll in New York, in New York, but he did. It wasn't a it wasn't a huge win, but it was still a win. Yes, yeah, he was number one, and Judy, uh, Rudy num- was number two. But what would you do in that case? And what do you think the reaction of most Americans would be to you know military troops in the streets checking people's papers, random checkpoints? It's hard for me to imagine such a thing. It really is. But um, at at the same time, I think that. Uh, if if something happened that George Bush decided, well, we're we're not going to be able to have elections and uh, we have to have uh, troops in the streets for some reason or another, that the spin would be on it sufficient that most Americans would continue on with what they were doing. So they would just live under martial law. That you don't think there would be any protests or there would be any real significant opposition. I I don't think that they would consider it martial law. See, I think it would get that would get really old fast, and then how, what does that do to the economy? People are struggling enough to pay their mortgages. I mean, what are they going to do? Is the government going to pay their mortgage for them now? Well, you're assuming that no business would get done, but the business is getting done in uh, in Iraq right now. But, but a lot slower. It's a yeah. lot, oh, 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 sure. The, the that's what the government does. The government slows down productivity in no matter what it does. It doesn't matter if it's uh, putting the military into something or putting a regulation or uh, you know providing welfare to little old ladies or whatever it's doing. And the, the government makes it difficult to do business. And you know what? I mean, just look at the way these states of emergency are being carried out in Pakistan and Georgia, which we've yet to talk about. But they, they go in and they shut down anywhere that might possibly generate some level of dissent. So if there there were to be a state of emergency declared in America, they could very well go in and start crushing dissent at the same time as well. I think inevitably there would there would be groups that would stand out and protest and say, "Hey, this is, you know, this is martial law. This isn't right. This is America. This stuff's not supposed Those to happen." Those people would be liberals, radical liberals. Though, well, that's that's how they'd be labeled and and then again as I mentioned before, the Insurrection Act was was modified to say that now the president, whenever he considers it necessary, you know, there's that word again, you see it everywhere with government, oh, well, you know, your liberties, they're good and everything, but it's necessary to take them away for a little while. Don't worry, citizen, you'll get them back. 
so whenever he considers it necessary, he can, by pro- proclamation, order insurgents or those obstructing the enforcement of the laws to disperse and retire peaceably to their abodes. So that means that he's going to give them an order to go away. Look here, you angry, thronging mob that's uh, protesting this military police state. Time to go home. Time to go to bed. Okay, you've got another 20 minutes, and then we're going to arrest you. Because once he's given the proclamation and given them the opportunity to go home, if they don't obey and walk away, turn around, drop the protest, and go home, go back to their lives, then they're going to end up in a jail cell. So, again, all of the legal mechanisms are in place to allow this to happen here, believe it or not. So what would it look like? Well, let's look to Georgia. Not that the United States is Georgia, but, you know, look at the different examples around the world of how these things are carried out. U.S. allied President Mikhail Samboy, Saakashvili, Shavili, Saka Shavili, declared a state of emergency Wednesday in the capital of Georgia, that's today, where six days of demonstrations have fueled a worsening crisis. The president has blamed Russia for fomenting the unrest in this former Soviet Union nation. His prime minister, Zurab Nogadeli, said in a televised statement there had been an effort to overthrow the pro-Western government. He said in an attempt to conduct a coup, an attempt to conduct a coup was made, and we had to react to that. Now, are they just claiming that there was an attempt? Or was there actually some real attempt? I wonder about that. The emergency declaration will, quote, temporarily ban demonstrations and protests and calls in the media for violence and the ouster of the government by force, said the, uh, said the prime minister. He said the presidential decree would be submitted to parliament for approval within the next two days as required by the constitution, uh, though in Pakistan they don't, apparently don't even have the constitution now. They've suspended that. Down there, riot police in Georgia earlier used tear gas and water cannons to break up demonstrations before bursting into the offices of a pro-opposition television station that went off the air moments later. Georgia's Imedi television station describes itself as independent, but is seen as a key opposition mouthpiece by authorities. Gee, there aren't any radio or television shows in America that might be considered opposition mouthpieces. It's carried statements by opposition leaders and broadcast footage of police breaking up protests on Wednesday. More than 100 people were hospitalized after police drove opposition demonstrators from two protests in the Capitol. And police used truncheons on some protesters and rubber bullets at one demonstration. The immediate announcer said on the air before the station went off, Riot police are here. Something horrible is going on. Mm. And they took them off the air. Now, the Interior Ministry said it will put out a statement on the situation later. Uh, according to one of their spokes-bureaucrats, journalists are not in danger. They will be allowed to go home. So, as long as you shut mm-hmm. your mouth, turn off your cameras, flip off your microphones, we're going to let you go home. You'll live. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the former foreign minister, who's now an opposition leader, said she was inside the TV station's headquarters when more than 100 police broke into the building and took control. The demonstrations uh, in the capital city have created the gravest challenge for the president since he was propelled to power in the 2003 Rose Revolution mass protests. He said in a televised address that Russian spy agencies were behind the protests and that three Russian diplomats were being expelled because of espionage activities. So... The government is making allegations that another government has come in and, you know, it's essentially the Russian CIA, whatever that is, has come in and tried to stir things up. And that's the excuse for the state of emergency. Sorry, no more TV, no more radio. Everything's going to be completely government controlled. Nope, you can't have any more demonstrations. We'll let you know when you can start doing that again. Trust us. It'll all come back. A free press is just too dangerous. Yeah, more on the way. This is Free Talk Live. 
Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Now, Wayne is still in the studio. There he is. He has so uh, nicely given up his microphone because, well, out of nowhere, a friend of ours just decided to show up. Lauren. Hey there. How you doing? Hey, we're doing great. And I guess the more important question is, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I mean, uh, getting out of jail is like uh, being born again. It's 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 it, there's there's no feeling quite like it. Um, you know, b- being locked up and then suddenly you're able to do what you want or mostly. <laughs> so, um, Lauren Canario, we we mentioned this in hour number one of the program that you just sort of did a quick recap for our listeners and probably should do it again. But I I guess you would be the best person to do a recap of uh, what has happened to you. So for anybody who's just tuning in. Why were you sitting in a jail cell for over 35, 36 days, and you just got out today? What was the reason they put you in in the first place? Got pulled over on a traffic stop for speeding. and uh, They put you in a jail cell for speeding? Uh, I got a life sentence for speeding. Amazing. <laughs> How does that work? Tell us about it. What? Where, I mean, start your story, I guess, the night of... And let's just go all the way through it. And if you've got questions for Lauren, 800-259-9231. But you were driving home from Murphy's Tap Room, which is a Free Stater-owned pub in Manchester, just hanging out with some friends. And you were on your way home. You got pulled over. And what happened then? Uh, As usual, police ask for license and registration. I said, I don't have any. Then uh, he, uh, you know, says, come on, give me your license, give me your registration, and I didn't, didn't say anything else for the rest of the night. Uh, he decided that he needed to um, uh, arrest me, pull me out of my car, impound my car, make my uh, passengers walk home. <laughs> and right. Now, uh, he didn't put, put have to do all that. Like you say, he yeah. decided to do so. Mm-hmm. And it's been very interesting watching some of the responses. And obviously, you haven't even gone home yet today, I don't think, right? That's right, I haven't been home. Okay, haven't even been home yet, and she stopped by the Free Talk Live studios. I thought for (laughs) sure you'd want to sleep before you came here, but I really appreciate you coming down. But some of the the footage that has come out, because your husband Jim was there at the time you were being arrested, uh, videotaping the entire thing. Of course, it was dark out, so not the most, uh, not the greatest of pictures, but you could get an idea for what was going on. You could definitely hear the audio, and um, I think right now, that particular part of your story was already something that started to generate controversy, not just amongst uh, the average people in, in New Hampshire and the people watching the situation, but also amongst the uh, the liberty activists here. Some people were wondering... Uh, on the show, as a matter of fact. <laughs> why, why did you choose to not speak to the police officer when he was asking you those questions? Because I just thought it was kind of, you know, tyrannical for them to stop me on my travels and uh, demand things from me and uh, punish me if I hadn't uh, paid all the fees and fines and license registrations and everything. And so I decided to just not cooperate. To the point where you didn't answer any of their questions at any point, not even when you were in the car or in the, the back of their squad car or going back to the station did you ever talk to any of the cops while you were being being held? Uh, the police 
from uh, the town of Milford. No, I did end up talking to a few jail guards after a while, though. What were the nature of those conversations? Not official, just sort of chit chat, or what was that? What was that about? Just um, uh, you know, how are you doing today? Uh, what's your? Or a lot of them like to offer their political views because they <laughs> they think they know what mine are, and they go, "You, you're a pacifist. You don't know anything." <laughs> are you a pacifist? Uh, that's not what I call me, but uh, that's now, that's what they think I am. A pacifist is someone who will not fight back. Right, so if a pacifist is attacked by a, a rapist or a murderer, they're going to get raped or murdered no matter what because they're a pacifist. Whereas a lot of uh, liberty-loving people are very nonviolent individuals, but if they are attacked, right. they will certainly defend themselves. They're non-aggressionists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Are you somewhere in between, or how would you define yourself? Well, I've never had to. Uh, you know, the situations never come up, but I imagine I would fight if people were hurting me. Right, but it would not benefit you to fight back against the police. In fact, you never do. This is not the first time you've been arrested. I, I'm actually almost losing count. Is it sixth, sixth time in the last two or three years? That, no, that, about five or six. Yeah. She or looks six. like she's lost count, too. Yeah. Um, now, but you, um, when but the you police, don't fight the police. When, right, when the police, um, but when the police want you to go somewhere or do something, you generally don't cooperate, right? Right, if they... Uh, I never kick them, I never punch them, I never... Push them, push back when they push me, mm-hmm. but I don't, uh, you know, obey any of their commands. Like face this way, sit there, mm-hmm. walk over here. You make them do the work. How did you right. get into court um, this morning? Was it? Oh, now you're jumping so far ahead, Mark. <laughs> well, I mean, but it, fine, that's fine. It's, it's the fine next question. It's the next question in that particular line of well, of, because she didn't go into the courtroom when they first attempted to arraign her, and I found this interesting because again, you make it so they have to to physically move you from one point to another. Uh, you don't assist them. Now, again, you don't actively resist, which is why I was surprised they charged you with a resisting arrest charge because that's just not something you do. Um, but they they obviously loaded you into the paddy wagon or whatever it was they had you in at that time. And then when they brought you to the court for the arraignment, they opened the doors. And this is according to the letter that you wrote. Uh, they opened the doors and asked you to leave the paddy wagon, which you obviously didn't do. So they didn't have a problem loading you into the wagon, but yeah. they had a problem taking you out. Forcing me into it, but forcing me out, they didn't do. What what, what do you think the reasoning is for that? What, I mean, the, the just your ju- interpretation. Um, just my idea is the judge didn't want people dragged before her, that she wanted to make it look like people were voluntarily attending the court and respecting the court. So you think it was for the, uh, for the benefit of everyone else in the courtroom, basically? Very interesting. So you didn't go in at that time. So let's just reverse. Let me uh, recap the story. You were driving down the road, pulled over for speeding. You didn't show them any of your government papers, uh, which you are a lic- You were at one time a licensed driver in the state of Nevada. So it's not like you don't know how to drive. You obviously know how to drive. You get yourself from point A to point B all very safely. Um, but uh, that's, a, just, that's just another aside was the attitudes of some of the people posting on these YouTube videos. They were making it sound like because you were going, you know, 70 and a 55 that the entirety of the world and society was at risk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and they were all I, acting as though I, they don't speed, They never too. speed, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't speed? I mean, I don't, I'd never met anybody that doesn't speed. <laughs> So that seemed to me to be very absurd. So they charged you with the resist, uh, resisting arrest and what was it, like five charges? Disobeying a police officer. They actually tacked on another one uh, just today. Oh. Uh, of, uh, uh, what? Not honoring my bail commitment, which 
Which, you never uh, committed to any bail, did you? That's why that got one got dismissed. Oh, okay. <laughs> How could you honor a bail commitment while you were in jail? And well, I, right. never, I never <laughs> saw the bail paperwork either. So they, You wouldn't have signed it if you had seen it anyway. No, I didn't. I wouldn't have, no. So then there was uh, no register, uh, no register, the, the vehicle wasn't registered, and... Well, well, suspended license, even suspended though I license. have no license. Strange. Right. So that's why they allegedly put you in jail the first time. They tried to take you to the arraignment. You did not leave the back of the paddy wagon. So at that point, they slapped you with a contempt of court charge. Right. And that's, as you know, the only uh, offense you can have uh, that has no limitation. If the judge wants to, they can keep you forever. And some people they have kept for quite a long time. There's a gentleman. 11 years, yeah. Right. There's a gentleman here in Keene that's been in for like a year just because because of a contempt charge, and the judge just doesn't want to let him out. And so they did the same thing to you, and you were essentially told that you were going to be in jail until you decided that you were ready to be arraigned, right? And then they would move the process along, and that's what they told you. Right. Is that right? So then they kept asking you if you wanted to be arraigned. Right. They kept coming to my cell every morning, or several mornings, and, hey, do you want to go to court today? No, thank you. (laughs) So... That's how it continued on for the entirety of the time that you spent in prison, right? They Up kept coming and checking with you? last Friday, I think, yeah. Then what happened then? Then I got a public defender who who uh, talked me into it. He said, "Really? you know, you can be outside the system, but if you go inside the system, you won't have to pay as bad of a penalty, he says. I can get you off uh, with a lesser charge if you let me represent you. Okay, we'll get to that part of the story, but there's also some things that went on while you were inside the jail. The Hillsborough County Jail here in New Hampshire, there were a number of protests that were going on on the outside. I'm wondering if you became aware of those and what your interactions were, if any, uh, with the other prisoners uh, and the guards. Whatever whatever jail stories that you have to, to share from your over a month being incarcerated on the most innocuous of charges. More on the way, this is Free Talk Live. Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, completely free, so enjoy those on us, including the wiki. Over 1,400 pages created by listeners like you. You can get interactive and go and create things and edit things. It's like the listener editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com, wiki.freetalklive.com. And your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com. For the sleep you've been dreaming of, that's SavvyRest.com. Lauren Canario is in the studio with us right now. Lauren, hello again. Hey, everybody. So you're telling us uh, your story uh, from your perspective of the last 30-plus days that you were being held in the Hillsborough County Jail for the awful crime of speeding and uh, apparently also not wanting to participate in the system. That's what they were really holding you for because they tell you that you have the right to remain silent. And, I mean, we're we're inculcated with that as young people in America. Whenever there's, uh, if you're in high school or middle school and there's some trial going on and you're sitting in your class, these are the things they tell you. Well, there's their Miranda rights that say you have a right to remain silent. And, you know, that's banged into our heads. But does anyone actually ever exercise that right? 
And what happens when that right is exercised? Well, that's why your story is so instructional, Lauren, because that's essentially what you decided to do. When the cops pulled you over and asked for your license and registration, you didn't have any to give to them in the first place. You didn't answer any of their questions. You exercised your right to remain silent, and you were rewarded with uh, over four weeks in prison for it. Right. It <laughs> kind of points out uh, a flaw in the system there, I think. I think that's not the only flaw that was pointed out while you were uh, spending your time there. But essentially what happened was they they arrested you, slapped a bunch of their BS charges because they've got sort of this repertoire of charges that they can just slap on anybody, disobeying a police officer and uh, whatever else. You know, speeding is obviously a BS charge too. But uh, So they put you in a jail cell. They tried to arraign you. You would not leave the paddy wagon uh, in order for them to give you the arraignment, and they refuse to actually carry you into the courtroom. You believe it's because the judge wants certain things to to look a certain way in, in her courtroom, and uh, and you weren't willing to cooperate with them. You weren't filling out their paperwork. You weren't going the places they wanted you to go. They actually had to physically move you from point A to point B. Right, and that continued uh, when I got to the uh, jail, the county jail, and uh, they didn't like that. So. Now, what, now, that's because they're not used to it, right? I mean, th- these guys are used to d- giving a prisoner an order and having them follow it. People were scuttling to, to follow the orders there. As the New Hampshire jails are way more uh, what, uh, or, uh, regimentated than others I've been in. Uh, really? Yeah. He would, he, uh, the guard would say, lock up, and there would be 50 people on the floor, and they would all be running up the stairs to get and, into their cells and close themselves in. Huh. What would happen if they didn't? Uh, well, the worst thing that would happen is they got yelled at, uh, that I saw, because nobody else would, hmm. would... Interesting. Nobody would disobey him. So all of the prisoners were very, very obedient, except for you. Now, we heard that you were put into 24-hour lockup or confinement of some sort. Is that true? Can you describe that? What brought you... Uh, wh- when did they decide to put you there? What's the story there? Generally speaking, uh, if you're, uh... When you get to jail, you get five hours out of your cell. If you're, uh... If you're disobedient, uh, they give you one hour to to you know punish you mm-hmm. out of cell. I got no hours out of my cell because wow. <laughs> I refused to go uh, and go through with the uh, the medical scan, the bunch of questions, and a and a hypodermic uh, needle. Oh dear! Did, uh, did, they, did they force you into the needle? Or? No, they didn't. Apparently, they can't because I was there the whole time and I refused. Huh. And they kept coming to me going. Would you like to go through the medical thing today? No, no thanks. Mm. No, I, I feel you. fine. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but as a result, they, did they force you to wear a mask or something like that? Yeah, as a result, I was on quarantine status. And if I was to come out of my cell, I would have to wear a mask, a uh, surgical mask and gloves. And I didn't want to do that. So right. uh, whenever uh, so this went on for two two weeks and I didn't come out of my cell at, at all. Uh, I was in up and locked up 24 hours a day. Now, and, and there was no shower in my cell. That was where I was going next, because when uh, when we heard from you, when some of your letters came out of the prison after about two weeks you'd been in, uh, somebody mentioned that you hadn't showered, I think you mentioned it in your letter, that you hadn't showered since, well, since you'd been put in at all. They, You just hadn't contacted flowing water, I guess. <laughs> What was the, the story there? I mean, they weren't even allowing... You said they weren't allowing you out of the cell. They wouldn't give you the special access to a shower to even clean yourself? I couldn't uh, use the phone. I couldn't, uh, uh, you know, uh, buy buy stamps 
to mm-hmm. mail letters. I couldn't uh, get a book to read. How would you have bought stamps? Did you have money, or they allow you to use what, what was in your pocket at the time you were They booked, have a, a commissary system in jails where you could uh, order things like pencils, papers, uh, mm-hmm. stamps, and things. But Candy bars, zoom zooms, wham whams. In this jail, the that was a machine, or like a, a touch screen operation, and it was outside in the day room, and I, I never got there. Yeah, you weren't allowed to leave your cell because <laughs> How, you were right. quarantined. How did you end up with a pencil to write the letters? Um, when on days when the the uh, the court guy would come and say, "Do you want to go to court today?" Sometimes he would offer, you know, "Well, is there anything I can do for you?" Hmm. And uh, that's the first time he asked that. I go, "I would like a pencil." And hmm. That's how I get my pencil. You're so. certainly not a very demanding person. <laughs> I, I see, see that as plenty of a reasonable request. Now, when did you end up getting a shower finally? Did it ever happen? Yes. Uh, uh, every day they would ask me if I'd like to come out of my cell, and I go, yeah. And then they'd hold up the mask and gloves and, will you wear these? And they <laughs> said no. And so most of the time they never even opened the door. But once in a while they would open the door and offer these things and turn their back on me. And so some... A couple times, three times or so, I slipped out, you know, zoomed over to the shower or to the phone or whatever, and, uh, you know, with, when they weren't looking. So uh, one time wow. I, got, I got all the way to the shower, took off all my clothes and, you know, got in there and they didn't want to rustle me out of the shower naked. So <laughs> I got to amazing. take a shower. So they knew the cell door was open and they were just, do you think they were purposely ignoring you? It's possible. It's possible well, that they were trying to get me to take a shower. They knew that it was all a game, too. They knew she was healthy. It's just they wanted to mm-hmm. go through their, their, their little hoops. Huh. Um, the cell door is open, but, the, but the, uh, the cell block door was not open. So it's not like she could have run out that door, yeah. run out the other door, yeah, yeah. run out the, the Sally Port door, down yeah. the uh, six flights of <laughs> right. stairs, out that door, out the other. You know, I mean, only one door out of the 17 was open. Right. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If you've got a question for Lawrence, so was that the only time you got a shower in the thirty plus days that you were uh, being contained? No, I got two showers. Oh, two showers. I, uh, when I was about to, to come to court, I actually broke down and wore the the mask and gloves and took a shower so. in order to take a shower. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to that story because you said the public defender, I guess, was assigned to you, and he said he could help you out. And what I, what I, what happened there? Because you were just sitting in a jail cell and there was nothing going on. And then this guy shows up. What's the the story there? It was the day that uh, some article about me appeared in the paper. Uh, I forget which one, but I guess it got some attention. Right. There were a handful of them in different papers, yeah. And uh, this public defender shows up finally, and uh, he says, I can get you a deal. And uh, (laughs) And this was Friday. This was, uh, no, two two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, said he can get you a deal, and you were willing to talk to this guy. I was pretty uh, lonely, so I was willing to talk to anybody. Okay. All right. We'll continue that story and find out what happened from then on. 800-259-9231. The entirety of uh, Lauren Canario's experience in the prison system, the jails of New Hampshire, over 30 days for speeding. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com where the features are for free. Uh, You can get, for instance, archives, an entire year's worth of them, right there on the front page of the website. There's no logging in. There's no membership fee. You just click and download. They're for free. 
freetalklive.com. And do you need a new computer but just don't seem to have the money or credit to buy one? MyPCCredit.com is your answer. Finance top quality new computers, laptops, and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks and no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start from just $22 a month. So go to MyPCCredit.com and finance your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com. 800-259-9231. If you've got a question for Lauren Canario, uh, now would be a great time to call in because she's actually here in the studio. Uh, Much to my shock and surprise, I was going to give her a call in a couple days and see if she was all rested up from uh, her stint in in jail and over being held for over 30 days uh, because she decided she didn't want to play along with their silly little rules and their system. Um, And she just got out this afternoon. So I figured maybe give her a night or two to, to catch up on some sleep because I can't imagine. Is it what's it like sleeping in the, in this? Uh, it's inevitably cold in in jail, right, Lauren? I mean, what's it like to try and sleep there? Do you even have a mattress? Well, in this one, it's not quite as cold as others I've been in. Really? But uh, yeah, it's cold, so you like stay under the blanket. Actually, I was napping like you know most of the day, and <laughs> I think the uh, it was the guards were kind of envious because they were tired, running around, handing things to people, and I was just napping all day. I see. So you were, again, held um, based on getting pulled over on the side of the road, not showing the cops your papers. Then you didn't participate with their uh, with their, the stuff they wanted you to fill out. You didn't go into the courtroom as they wanted you to do, and they wouldn't force you to. They wouldn't carry you in there physically. And so they threw you back in jail with a, um, with a contempt of court charge, and that's where you sat until, you say, two weeks ago, a public defender showed up and said he could help you out. What's the story there? So he... Explain to me about the New Hampshire Public Defender Office. Uh, usually the public defenders are, cho- are, like in other states, they're chosen from the prosecutors or they're chosen from uh, some group of uh, lawyers and they're under the control of uh, the judicial system. But here in uh, New Hampshire, they have a different thing where they just have a trust fund they set up. They give money to this trust fund This and the public defender's office is kind of autonomous. It uh, can hmm. do can it can uh, you know argue things the way that that it wants to it doesn't have to it doesn't really isn't really so much under the thumb of the judges as in other states interesting yeah i thought that was pretty cool and he talked to me about arguing under uh, article 10 which is a uh, unique to new hampshire that uh, the uh, the clause of the right to rebellion and he wanted yes. to, he wanted to argue on that point and i go hmm well, maybe that's not such a bad idea. Okay. Yeah, that sounds pretty good, actually. Now, wasn't the uh, the right to rebellion? I'm not very familiar with the New Hampshire Constitution. I thought it was the the that was the New Hampshire state government saying they had the right to secede from the United States. Is that something different? That's not what he uh, took it, or just, he argued a different point. That I see. It if there was to be an overthrow of the government, it should shouldn't be violent. He says. Uh, it should be peaceful. And right. how how would that happen? And he says, he points to me, this is the way it hmm. should happen. Wow. That's how pretty... did that argument go? Uh, uh, I don't think it was very... Uh, no, I think I wasn't found guilty on the resisting arrest thing. On, But uh, he got to argue it anyway, so I thought... So, it was uh, cool. You were found guilty? You were not found guilty on the resisting arrest or were found guilty on resisting arrest? Actually, I can't quite remember now, but I think I was found guilty. Okay. Hmm. And then you were sentenced to time served. Right. Which... 
is also something that has happened to you in the past when you have been, uh, it, whether it be New London, Connecticut, or uh, up here in New Hampshire, they have arrested you, put you in a jail cell, you haven't participated and cooperated, and then eventually, after a number of days has passed, they seem seemingly arbitrarily bring you into the court, and then they happen to, you know, essentially punish you with the exact amount of time that you'd already been in jail for. Right, my public defender said the... Uh yeah, penalties were very, very uh, unusual in that uh, she gave me like 10 days for resisting arrest. And Is that high or low? No, that's very low, and it all happened to add huh. up to the exact number of days I had been in jail. What is your speculation there? Why do you think that is? Why didn't they just turn you right back in and put you in for another 45 days? They didn't want to, I guess. They were they were making special, special uh, actions to get me out on that day. I don't know why. <laughs> Well, because I mean, they were just tired of... She's uh, a pain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, they were tired of lifting you around and carrying you from place to place. And, and having news articles and every other right. day in the paper. And the protesters outside of the jail. Did you? Were you aware of the uh, the protests going on? You couldn't see anything, right? You were. Uh, uh, my cell didn't face the, the uh, street, but other people in, that I could talk to uh, did. And they could see and wave and uh, hold up signs yes. to the protesters. We saw some of those signs. It, mm-hmm. was, uh, it was pretty cool. And they were even banging on the windows and stuff. Now, um, as I understand it, you were instructed or the other prisoners were instructed to not talk to you? That's right. Uh, they had a rule. It was It's a general rule that people who are locked up are what people who are uh, out on the floor of the, uh, the center there having their... Uh, they're out of cell time, can't talk to people who are locked up. And they weren't supposed to talk to me, but they did. And sometimes they even rolled candy under my door. Thank oh my you so goodness. much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So she was persona non grata, and she wasn't allowed to, uh, they, you know, not, not allowed to mix with her, I guess. Right, so they could actually walk by your cell and see you and speak to you, and that's what they did. Uh, well, they weren't supposed to. They got yelled at if the guards saw them do that. But so, they could do it. They yeah. weren't preve- physically prevented from right. seeing you. Okay. But, but my question is, that they didn't give you stamps? The the, the, ex- the other convicts didn't give you stamps? Uh, no, I guess they didn't know that I was was needing some. But I see. Right, I, she probably didn't probably didn't cross your mind to tell them, you know, oh, I need this and this and this. No, right? I didn't. Not, not the demanding type. Right. How were uh, how are you received in general by the uh, the prison population there? They're they're always friendly. They're always very generous. You'd be surprised at the, and uh, you know if if I they when on the days when they got their you know goodies cookies and stuff they would mm-hmm. roll roll some to me under my door there. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think I would be that surprised because I know a lot of the people in the jail system in America are nonviolent uh, individuals who most of them are there for drug charges uh, right. and other things, other innocuous things like that. Those are regular folk that just uh, unfortunately got caught in the wrong place at the wrong time and that sort of thing. So I imagine there are a lot of good people in jail that shouldn't be there as you shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. All right, Mark, you said you wanted to get to controversy, so I think we, I mean, we've told most of the story, and if we've missed any points or if there's something you want extra clarification on, she's here in the studio for at least the rest of this hour, I think. Uh, so now would be a good time to call in at 800-259-9231. But Mark was, uh, you and I, we got into it yeah, from time yeah, to time. Yeah, Ian and I disagreed on a couple of issues here. First off, um, he, he, he used the term outrage uh, to describe, um, you know, the, the, the way things went as far as you're being picked up by the police and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, somehow I, I couldn't come up with outrage. My question, I guess, for you is, did this come as a surprise to you? Um, did, you know, the idea that some that you didn't have a plate on your car, that you were driving without a license, that some police officer might stop you um, at some point or another, ask you for these things, and perhaps drag you off to jail, and you didn't speak to him? 
I was uh, counting on it, actually. Yeah, I figured you were. Like, okay, well, now Mark said that outrageous. you wanted to get arrested. Is that true? She was counting on it. Uh, I was counting that it would happen someday. I just didn't know what day. Okay, so it wasn't that you were going out that night attempting to get yourself arrested, but you knew that it was a possibility, and you, in fact, did want that to happen eventually. Right. And why is that? I wanted to point out that even uh, if you never hurt anybody, never break anything, never lie to anyone, they'll still put you in jail. Now, of course, the other controversy was um, between, well, there was a controversy amongst the liberty movement, um, amongst some of the activists here in New Hampshire, many of them trying their darndest to distance themselves from you, and others, like me, embracing you and supporting you 100%. Even those who, uh, there were a number of people who also supported you, even though they may have disagreed with your tactics. So there were sort of three different camps. The camp that didn't want to have anything to do with you, the ones that support you and your nonviolent resistance, but wouldn't necessarily engage in the same things, and then those who completely 100% were on board with you. And uh, there, of course, were a lot of heated message discussions. People were calling in on this show. And um, Mark, you sort of took the position that, let me see if I recall correctly, that you support Lauren's nonviolent uh, resistance, but at the same time, you were curious as to if this was having a damaging effect on the uh, the liberty movement in general. Pretty much. I mean, I think that it's going to draw more people of the uh, sort of uh, the protest genre, and I think it's probably going to turn off some people who are kind of like the, uh, you know, the small government Republican Liberty Caucus types. I don't know if Lauren cares, but we'll find out what she thinks about that here in a moment. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves and talk to Lauren Canario. She's here right now. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. If you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, go shopping at the Free Talk Live store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com. Get your hands on some great Free Talk Live merchandise like Free Talk Live t-shirts and hats and hoodies and uh, let's see, we've got the lighter bottle opener combo. Uh, we've got DVD classic archive collector sets, free bumper stickers. They're all there at store.freetalklive.com. Lauren Canario is in the studio, in the flesh, free from the prison cell, the jail cell that she's uh, been occupying for well over a month's time, over 36 days at last count, maybe more than that, 37, 38 uh, she was again put in for completely nonviolent so-called offenses, and the main offense was basically not cooperating with the system, uh, not getting her car registered here in the state of New Hampshire, not uh, bowing down to their demands that she have state um, driver's licenses and identification, and then once she refused to um, comply with those demands, they put her in a jail cell, and she continued to refuse uh, to comply with what they wanted from her. And that resulted in a contempt of court charge, and that resulted in even more time just sitting in a jail cell. It's, it's just been an amazing story, and we've been following it as close as we as closely as we can on this show. And one of the major controversies it's erupted in, Lauren, has been people talking about, as usual, and I know you've experienced this before, the the, the inevitable hand wringing that comes from some of the people in the pol- on the more political side of the liberty movement, the people that are saying. <laughs> Lauren's ruining it for the rest of us. We're trying to do political things over here. She's making us all look bad. H- how do you feel about that? I say, uh, if you want to make to to get attention, make a bigger story than me. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, and that's something I touched on too. I mean, 
there are certainly stories to be had in the political realm. Uh, Julia, my girlfriend, was running for office here in Keene, New Hampshire, which you missed most of the campaign. Uh, but it was pretty cool because she didn't have to do a whole lot except be herself. And that got her a bunch of press coverage and made front page news. So it's certainly possible for the political people to, to score wins and, and get press. It's just that it's more difficult for them because they have to, they have to play inside the system. You know, they have to play by the system's rules. In fact, one of Julia's um, bigger stories was when the attorney general threatened her with up to seven years in prison because she wasn't playing by the rules and she was allegedly bribing the voters, which is a whole other story. Uh, but, you know, that's that got her coverage because it was unusual. It was different. It was sort of outside of the system. And the, the fact is things that outside the system acts like what people like you and Russell Canning and other civil disobedience activists do. It's just more newsworthy than another person running for office. And so, you know, oh, too system, bad for them. Yeah, the system makes it that way. They want you to be in the system. They, you'll be invisible if you go into the system and try and reform it. Right, and it's it's very difficult to reform it from the inside. The system is built to to uh, you know to resist that sort of activity. Well, it's it's built to resist change, which to some extent's a good thing because then it's difficult to make turn it into a uh, socialist uh, a paradise quickly. It's it's taken almost a hundred years to turn us into the uh, socialist country that we currently are. So, but I mean, I, I think we I think we need both. I think we need people applying pressure from the outside. Absolutely, I agree that we need both. But I don't think what I think what we don't need is the constant infighting that goes on when episodes like this arise. Now, I don't think that everybody has to rally behind Lauren. I certainly would never suggest that you must support Lauren. But don't get out there and trash her. Don't get out there and uh, act as though this is this is the end for the Free State Project. <laughs> well, I think that there's value actually in uh, a, a you know public disavowing of Lauren's actions by Free State Project members. I think that uh, you know it shows that the Free State Project is not necessarily you know a cohesive, uh, one mind organization here to throw over uh, the government of New Hampshire. It's you know, oh, I didn't, I didn't say there was nothing wrong with that. I think that's fine. It's okay for people to to distance themselves and say, well, well, that's not my tactic. That's fine for them to make that clear about themselves and their viewpoint. But it's when they go on the attack and they say things like, this is ruining the whole Free State Project. They think we're all a bunch of crackpots. And anybody that knows you personally knows you're, you're not a crackpot loon. You're one of the nicest, sweetest ladies I've ever met. And you happen to be my hero as well. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think many of these people who are talking trash even have really met you or have any idea what uh, what you're about. But, you know, we should go to the phones here because Dale is on the line in New Hampshire. And I know he wants to talk about this whole controversy thing. Dale, you're on with Lauren. Hey, hi, Lauren. How are you? Hi, Dale. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, um, I know that there's been some. Some people are saying that oh, it's just a few um, obnoxious people who are making a fuss about the the you know the the civil disobedience crowd and such. But I want to read a, a quote from Jason Sorens. He wrote into a paper to sort of distance himself from Lauren. And here's a quote from him. It's not very long. Unfortunately, there is a small but radical fringe of free staters who want to abolish all laws and law enforcement, and they often choose to disobey laws which, with which they disagree. Because of their nonviolent philosophy, they never intentionally do harm to others, but by parading themselves in front of the media, pre-staters at every opportunity, they give New Hampshire residents a skewed image of the quiet majority. And uh, I don't know how you guys interpret that, but that sounds really dismissive and sort of disrespectful to me. <laughs> 
Um, I like Jason. I mean, from what I've read of his stuff and everything, I like him a lot, actually. And I'm glad he started the Free State. I'm, you know, I just, uh, I, I just think that it goes to show that it isn't just. I mean, that you know, if he's saying this, he's got to create the Free State process. You know, it's not just him saying it. So. Yeah, we owe a lot to Jason, and uh, we all honor him for for his ideas. But yeah. uh, it seems like he just didn't think it all the way through that there wouldn't be somebody yeah. who was going to be on the edge. <laughs> that much well, I can sure. say is uh, surprise. But you know, I don't have a problem with that particular statement. I, I, you know, maybe the, the unfortunate. unfortunate well, I don't on. like that word the, at the all. The unfortunate might be a little friend. stinging. <laughs> well, but uh, what and, would you what would you describe? Parade. The whole thing that's about parading around in front of the media as free staters at every opportunity. I, that's just, I don't remember that's saying, really uh, I'm Lauren Canario and I'm a free stater. Well, no. I think the the parading, parading is, um, <laughs> is, you know, it's certainly, it's, it's a derisive term, but it's intended to point out that, um, you know, she's doing it intentionally. And she says she's doing it intentionally. Yeah, but she didn't necessarily do what she did. As a free stater, I mean, she never. Well, nobody you know, can do anything as a free stater. One of the papers proclaimed that, or one of the papers claimed that she identified herself as a free stater to the officer or something, or implied, which <laughs> which is absurd. She said the three decides. words to the officer: yeah. "I don't have," or four words: right. "I don't have any." No, but no, no free state project <laughs> member it. would say that. I'm a free state project member. Only somebody who's not a free state project member would say my, some crap like you that. Know, my website, I don't mention it anywhere that I'm a free. At least not yet. I mean, if it becomes relevant, I'll mention it. But it's not like this is a free state blog. Right. You, you know? can't. <laughs> you can't lie about it. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie about it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm I, proud to be a free state. But. I don't like his statement. I don't like that. You know, the hand wringing aspect to it. The fact that he points out that it's unfortunate. The, you know, the fact is, the free state project is nothing more than a a, a bus, as they call it, to right. to encourage liberty loving, liberty oriented people to move to New Hampshire and get active. And Jason and everybody else in the free state project knows that that's an open window and that anybody who loves liberty can go and come here and do what they want and they're all right. going to be called free state project members some of them might even do things that are more radical than what lauren has done i mean and and again the, and, and to even use the term radical i think is is unfair uh come to think of it because really what's so radical about not conforming to arbitrary and just uh, insane rules that are forced on you by the, at the point of a gun i think that that's uh, honorable and I think it's something that deserves support. You know, I, I'm going to have to disagree with Mark, and I think maybe you as well, on one, one point. And that is, I don't think we need the in-the-system people, in, actually, but that's just my opinion. I am, I'm glad to have them, and I don't think they hurt by any means. I mean, they're doing things that might alleviate, you know, some influence, of the, some pressure for some of the violence from the state and things that disappoints. Uh, and that's great if they manage to do that, but I, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't say that we need them because I don't. I mean, part of the, my philosophy is that I don't believe that that ultimately is uh, can you know can solve our problems because. But know, none of us are out here. None of violence. us are out here, you know, rattling any sabers, saying, you know, we don't want you people around here anymore. I mean, <laughs> you're saying you personally don't have any use for them, uh, but at the same time, you can see that what they're doing is valuable, and you accept that what they're doing is okay, and you would never consider, you know, being upset about what the political people are doing. Oh, not at all. I mean, like, I just think it's. I mean, it's, it's at worst harmless. You know, I mean, I don't know that I, I. I just wouldn't necessarily say that we need them, but I'm glad to have them. I mean. I still consider them allies, you know. Very good, so. Dale. Thanks for the call, dude. We appreciate it. Sure. So, uh, I don't know if we've missed anything. Wayne's been sitting quietly back there. He hasn't had any questions to ask, I presume. Otherwise, he could have come up to a microphone. Um, Lauren, are there any other thoughts that you wanted to share with our listeners tonight? Um, anything else that you wanted to dis discuss while you're here? 
I uh, got a lot of uh, mail from people who are really sad and, uh, you know, were sending me, like, sympathy cards. Oh, we're so sad. We're so sad. We're, you got arrested. We hope you're not, you know, dying of depression. But I'm telling them I was having fun in there. You know, I was, uh, uh, like, disobeying every rule they had, and they couldn't <laughs> do anything worse to me. And also, it was a little detrimental when people would send you money because you couldn't uh, draw soap and that kind of thing from indigent Status, isn't that right? That's right. I had less when people sent me money than when I was uh, uh, had no money. Don't send money unless we say send money. Hour number three is on the way. Thank you to Lauren for stopping in here tonight. Good to see you as always. More Free Talk Live coming up. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the Sable CAI toll free line. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We just wrapped up uh, in hour number two, a uh, an hour-long conversation, interview, discussion with our friend Lauren Canario, who we've been talking about for the past 30-plus days on this show. In case you're just tuning in, Lauren was arrested over a month ago for driving without a license. She refused to show her papers to uh, the government uh, um, cops that pulled her over for speeding. And then she went into a jail cell as a result of that. Uh, then they kept her in the jail cell because she refuses to participate. And this is why Lauren is my hero, because she's such a such a brave little lady uh, in the face of armed cops with badges and attitudes. She has the courage to just say no, or in her case, in this case, didn't say anything at all to them. Uh, she has the courage to not speak, the courage to not obey when they demand things of her. And I just I'm so inspired by her. And I know a lot of other people are, too. Despite all the people that are wringing their hands and trying to distance themselves from Lauren, the fact is her actions and her the things that she's she is doing, the things she uh, the things she is doing are bringing more people to New Hampshire. Now, Mark, you're right that they're probably more more of the um, apolitical variety of activists, but that doesn't mean that the political people I don't think are any less inclined to come here. And if the actions of one individual are what scares somebody away. If somebody says, well, I was going to join the Free State Project, but I'm not now because that Lauren Canario lives in New Hampshire. Well, you probably weren't that serious about it in the first place anyway. The idea that the actions of one individual uh, would ruin the whole concept for you, it, it seems pretty absurd to me. But Wayne, you sat on the uh, the sides for a little while for that entire hour because we only have three mics in the studio, and you absorbed the entire conversation. Your reflections, your thoughts on on the, on the whole situation with Lauren. Well, what Lauren does, I wouldn't necessarily do that myself. So I don't, uh, that's not, that wouldn't be my stick, but I respect her right and her initiative to expose some absurdity in, in our system and to make a statement and, and to wake people up, even people within the judicial system and the legal system, to show them that, you know, wh- what is this? This is crazy. She's not hurting anybody, and she's an adult, and she's responsible, and, and she hasn't really done anything wrong except she didn't have her papers. And I think when you do things like this, you do get people thinking a little bit. And that's the first step in, in basically busting the, the the dike wide open, so to speak. Right. What I would like them to think about is, 
okay, Lauren is a difficult case to deal with because she doesn't cooperate. She won't sign their paperwork. And, of course, their paperwork says all kinds of interesting things like, you know, if you, if you sign the bail paperwork, it says things like you agree to obey by all their rules and all of the laws in the state of New Hampshire or whatever state you live in. And there's all kinds of agreements in that bail paperwork that you couldn't possibly really agree to. There's no way you could read all of the laws in New Hampshire or your local state and know what they are and possibly follow them all. So why would you sign something like that? Well, it's because you want to get out of jail is why, and they know you want to get out, so you put your name on whatever they put in front of you. She doesn't do that. She makes it so they have to carry her from one point to another. That's a burden on the police. These guys are used to sitting around, uh, you know, stuffing their face full of donuts. They don't, they're used to shouting an order and having the prisoners jump, you know, when they say jump, and Lauren won't do any of that stuff. And so I hope that one of the things that these government people think about while they have Lauren in their custody is, hmm, what would happen if there were ten of her? You know, what would happen if there were a hundred Lawrence? I don't think they think that for a second. Um, it's, she's the first uh, of an anomaly, and mm-hmm. uh, she's. She, uh, they. I don't know what would happen. <laughs> I think you're right. They probably don't think that, but that sure is what I would like them to think. Well, you know, in the '60s during the Vietnam War, there was a lot of similar type of of civil disobedience. Sit-ins, that sort of thing? And Yeah, and when people were arrested, they would go limp, and the cops would have to pick them up, and, you know, it was very difficult. And a lot of those uh, techniques are very similar to what Lauren does, except now we're a little more enlightened because we realize that we want to practice the good neighbor policy, that we don't want to hurt other people, we want to be able to do as long as we, whatever we want, as long as we don't hurt others. And that's really what she's trying, the point she's trying to make, is that just because she doesn't have her papers doesn't make her a threat to society. Right. Now, we understand that we don't want to hurt anybody else, but some of the some of the responses that were posted on, for instance, some of the YouTube videos about what Lauren was doing acted as though that she was a threat to the, the very fabric of society. You know, the idea that, uh, well, I had to go and get my license and registration and spend hundreds of dollars and hours of my time waiting in a DMV line and... That's not fair that she doesn't, that she thinks she doesn't have to. Well, I have my driver's license, and I don't look at it that way, and, and you probably do too, and you too, Mark, right? Right. I don't think that, no, I, I think that Lauren should be able to, you know, not have a driver's license if she wishes to not have a driver's license. I think that there's some problems with that particular uh, philosophy, but, you know, there's I'm, consequences. I'm not going to hope that she gets put in jail yeah. for it. Those are the problems. Nor am I going to be about, outraged right? and surprised when she does. Th- those are the problems you're referencing, though, right? When you say there are problems with that, that the problem is she could be put in a jail cell for it? No, no. Some of the problems are that, you know, like how is the world going to look without driver's licenses? And that's one of the problems is that, you know, people I, people don't have a solution for themselves for that, So, and, and neither do I. Well, how would the world look without government driver's licenses? Is, is, uh, dr- government driver's licenses is a more important question because... In the absence of government driver's licensing, that doesn't mean there wouldn't be any sort of uh, competency testing for using the roads. Your insurance mm-hmm. company might be interested in you having that sort of thing. That's right. Maybe there'd be private companies that would uh, issue uh, ratings uh, just like you have with, with other types of um, uh, competency. Whether yeah, Certification. Say, yeah, if you're an IT professional, you can go and you can get different certifications for what you do. Uh, there could be competing companies that certified people as safe drivers. Right. But, of course, most your average person can't understand. You know, they, they don't realize that that's even a, a, a remote possibility of something right. that could happen. And so they get very, very concerned and they get very, very upset and they sort of lock themselves off to, uh, to any reason. You know, when you point out that, OK, Lauren Canario wasn't a dangerous driver. 
you know, the fact is she was able to get from point A to point B successfully. She's still here. If she was a dangerous driver, she'd probably have her neck broken laying in a hospital somewhere or or have just, you know, people's uh, get into accidents and, and, you know, be obviously dangerous. She's not. She was pulled over for speeding, which is something virtually everybody does. So, again, I think that the more the more things like this that happen to people in New Hampshire or maybe around the country, if others are, are going to take on this sort of similar civil disobedience, the more often it happens to people that you know, the more challenging I think it'll be to people's mindsets and their belief systems. You know, for instance, if it's if you knew Lauren before she was arrested, you would know she's not a crazy wackaloon, which is you know what she's being called on some of these YouTube comments. Called they're 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 insulting her, they're calling her crazy, they're calling her stupid. She's none of those things. And if you if you have somebody that you work with or is a family member or a friend who all of a sudden decides they've had it up to here with all these government requirements, they're not going to participate in the system anymore. Would that affect the way you see this? I mean, if that person were to go out and get arrested for for driving without a license, would that affect your viewpoint if it if you were one of those people that was this is evil, she's ruining society? Well, you know, I remember people saying the same thing with Russell. With Russell's done a few protests where he's been arrested in a similar fashion, and same thing. People were saying, "Oh, he's making us all look bad," and you know that's not the point. People are going to fight for liberty in their own way, and I respect everyone's right to do that myself. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing we talked about off-air earlier, too, is let's just say Lauren didn't use her car. Let's just say she went with friends when she had to go someplace. She lived in Keene. She could walk everywhere. Sure. Um, Right now, in today's America, probably she wouldn't run into any trouble. True. But if things keep going the way they are in the future, uh, she may be stopped walking down the street and ask for her papers, and she wouldn't have them, and she'd be in the same position. So that's the other thing, is that it, it kind of um, makes people aware of where we're going, too. Yeah, how would, you, how would her detractors feel then? I mean, if indeed we do finally get to the point of having random checkpoints in virtually every American city, for instance, they have them now on the southern border and the, the, uh, the northern border, or, or nearby the borders, within 50 miles, I think, from the border. They have these checkpoints that they can set up at any point, and they ask people, you know, are you an American citizen? Now, as I understand it, it's not necessarily a mandatory thing, but they certainly make you think that it is. They have very authoritarian demeanors, and they demand things of you and and give you what sound like orders but aren't really orders. close enough to mandatory to be mandatory. Most people would think it is. See, I'm a wise guy. I'd probably be tempted to say... No ingles, amigo. Yeah, mm-hmm. eventually it will be mandatory. <laughs> you better and, watch it with that. <laughs> and in that case, what are you going to think then when they're demanding your papers on a regular basis? More on the way. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. That again, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where the features are totally free. Shrine of female listeners there. Dozens of ladies who sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. And we are sort of talking about a topic uh, that's related to the Free State Project. And 
We talk about the Free State Project from time to time on this show. We are all members, <laughs> uh, so we can't help it. It's, they're not just a sponsor of Free Talk Live. We are heavily invested in the concept personally, all of us, uh, because all three of us have moved to New Hampshire within the last handful of years in order to live more freely. And that's the whole point of the Free State Project is to get the get a bunch of liberty-oriented, liberty-loving people to all move to the same state because, well, the fact is, Liberty people are just too—they're—they're uh, they're just too diluted. Now there are more of them that are that are coming out as a result of the Ron Paul campaign, and we're certainly seeing—we're—we're we're discovering more liberty-oriented people as time goes on in the Ron Paul campaign. But prior to Ron Paul, it was very difficult to uh, to find other liberty-oriented people in your area. So the idea is, well, get them all together in the same place, and that's what's happening here. Of course, inevitably, when a project like this is going on, an open-ended, conceptual uh, idea like this, you're going to have different groups of people coming in. You're going to have, and what we've seen so far, is two major groups. There are the political types and the apolitical types. Right, the people that believe, you know, that, that political would, you know, you work within the system, you try to get your people elected, you right. um, play by the rules play, yeah, well, as much as you can, as, as you can, and try not to get caught. And then there's the apolitical people that, uh, you know, that say, screw the rules. Um, you know, I've never agreed to play by the rules in the first place. I think the rules are absurd, and I'm going to live my life free. I'm going to live as free as I possibly can. And if consequences come, well, that's fine. Let the consequences come, and it'll show the government for what they really are, and that is a group of people doing business at the point of a gun. Uh, they're offering their products and services on a coercive basis instead of a voluntary basis. And the fact is, when people like Lauren Canario and other civil disobedience activists get in trouble and get thrown in jail cells for doing something that did not put anyone else in any danger, then it does show how violent the government is. Does everyone get the message? No. A lot of people are very you know, ignorant of the message. They don't want to see the, the message for what it really is. They get very upset. They get very agitated at the fact that other people aren't following the same rules that they feel they must uh, follow. It's sort of the, you know, the slaves on the plantation getting angry at the one slave for getting it in his head that he could actually leave the plantation. That sort of mentality is going on here. Stockholm sw- Syndrome, if you mm-hmm. want to call it that. People in America have been you know, beaten down to the point where they're willing to do almost anything the government demands of them. And I think your point earlier was great, Wayne. If people are getting very upset at at somebody like Lauren Canario for not showing her government ID or her papers or driver's license or registration, all the things that, you know, the cop wants you to show them when you get pulled over, well, would they be equally as angry if there were new regulations that were passed, say, in January of 2008, you know, that mandated that if you're going to work and you get stopped by the cops, that you have to show them a passport? I mean, not just a, dri- a driver's license, but that you have to have, like, a passport to move around internally in the country to, to prove that you are a U.S. citizen? Because, you know, we've got immigrants coming in here. We've got to make sure that you aren't an immigrant, that sort of thing. Would people get upset at uh, Lauren Canario for refusing to show her passport in that in that case? Or, or if you're walking down the street and, and some law enforcement officer just feels like, stopping you and asking you to see your papers. Right. Right now, they can do that. They can ask you, but you don't have to show them. Right. Uh, what if they made it so you did have to? What if they passed some new law that says that any time an officer asks you for your, uh, to show your government ID, you must have it on you and you must show it to them? 
It's not it's not really unbelievable to think that that could happen here. Well, you know, what you're running into is sort of the utilitarianism of it all. Um, yeah, there might be some sort of utilitarian reason that. Uh, an officer would need to see your papers. If, uh, you know, we're under siege from terrorists sneaking across our borders, we have to prove that everybody's a, an American citizen that's walking along the street. You know, if you can, I don't care what their reasons are. Right, right. If you can pass that off as a reasonable thing to the American public, then, you know, I can, I can see that. But um, the, the issue with the driver's licenses really is... You know, they didn't come around when people, when kids could ride horse, you know, could drive horse and buggies, um, you know, and everybody had the, the sort of the right to travel and roads were commonly owned here in America and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Because, you know, a um, a horse was driven by a child was far less likely to run down a building or, you know, kill somebody, uh, you know, run, o- you know, the horse was probably not going to run over somebody, could, certainly, but less likely, the car is mindless, you know, and and so the, the idea of a driver's license is to uh, ensure that a person who is instructed in how to drive an automobile and people that have proven themselves to be bad at it uh, you know they like the, the 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 public in general likes the idea of being able to re- revoke their driver's license so i mean you don't have to tell me what the purpose of a driver's license right, is but i you, understand what the alleged purpose is the fact is the driver's license really amounts to nothing more than a uh, demand that government you know that you carry government id with you it, That's it, what it really amounts to. Because to some extent, you know, the fact you're right, is the, but the, the driver's test don't even require you to parallel park in many states. I mean, the driver's test could be passed by a trained monkey. It's not that hard to pass the driver's test. Right, and but that still, to keep it your doesn't license. stop people from driving without a license. To keep your license, uh, you know, in in good standing after that, you have to not operate your vehicle in a um, you know a bad fashion. You have to have not gotten into a That's bunch true. of wrecks and speed all and the that, time. That and that will violate keep your license in a good status, but that doesn't do anything to stop people who are dangerous from getting behind any wheel. Um, sure, that's why the police check for driver's licenses to be able to throw in jail people that don't have their driver's licenses in good standing. Do you understand the problem here? I mean, there's a real problem with it, and it basically comes down to the government owns the roads. Yeah, that is a problem, and uh, that needs to be solved, but that's a whole other issue. So, uh, there are bigger fish to fry first. Yeah, and, and once again, uh, you know, going back to the point about... As government uh, demands for identification get more and more intrusive in our lives, inevitably more people are going to become sympathetic with those who refuse to play by the rules. Now, there will always be a group of people in this country that are willing to jump whenever the government says jump and do whatever, jump through whatever hoops are required of them uh, by the state, and we'll never be able to convince those people. But I think that as things become more tyrannical and as the requirements become more obtuse and oppressive, that people like Lauren speaking out and refusing to obey will gain more and more supporters over time. She may not have a whole lot of them right now, but again, I think over time and with more enforcement and more absurd rules for us to follow, breaking those rules becomes more and more powerful as their rules become more and more absurd and outrageous. And I agree with you on that. It's people like Lauren that say, well, the rules are already absurd and outrageous. It's just that most Americans don't realize it because it's always been that way. You know, you're born into this dystopian world. You're born into this bizarro world and you think it's normal. That's what's going on right now. Well, I don't. I keep asking the mothership to beam me back up, but they want me to stay a little longer. <laughs> 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. The SACL CAI toll-free line is 1-800-259-9231. Paula's on the line. 
Again, it's your show. Take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Bulletin board system there, over 300,000 posts. Serious issues and fun stuff, you'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com, and it's free. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. The Liberty Dollar Silver Round is as beautiful as the ideals it represents. It's America's second most popular currency with 20 million Liberty Dollars in circulation, among more than 100,000 people using them on a daily basis. Go to libertydollar.org, stop using their money, start using the Liberty Dollar. Return America to value, one dollar at a time. libertydollar.org. So I hope that uh, the political uh, people and the apolitical people can heal their wounds and uh, resolve to get along with one another instead of pointing fingers. Uh, and it really seems to be more the uh, the apolit- or excuse me the political people pointing fingers at the apolitical people because I've never I've never heard of any of the civil disobedience crowd getting upset at the political people for going out there and doing their thing. Uh, well, that and um, I've been the uh, at, at the the point of the uh, some of the folks the the hand ringers out there the line sitters. Um, talking oh yeah, about yeah, you were. How things could be better, um, you know, because of your murder conviction, right? Because I was convicted of murder, but I happen to be a Free State Project member, and I was on the radio, and they were sponsoring this show, and oh my God, how could we make it different? And right. Some some people wanted the Free State or a Free State Project to pull their sponsorship, right? And and you know how much better off things would be if um, I wasn't uh, a spokesperson for the Free right. State Project. Like you're going to attract a bunch of murderers to New Hampshire. I don't know what they were um, expecting to have happen, but it did. Whatever it was, didn't. Um, they didn't get the the negative press that they were expecting and um, predicted and all that other stuff. So. Right. You ended up getting a front page article a few weeks ago about your conviction and your how you turned your life around and uh, and it was just a, it was as I think it was as glowing an article as anybody could have expected. I from would a agree. Newspaper. I mean, it, it couldn't it couldn't have got any better without them uh, without me having paid somebody for it. But you know, you also want a, a certain group of people nipping at the edges all the time, always pushing because then when when the more Political people ask for things. It, be, it seems more reasonable to the mainstream. Yeah, I would I would agree with that um, to some extent that that actually you know re- really does work. It's because it creates it creates a problem and a concern. So therefore, you know the the political uh, the political types can come along and address that. Absolutely. Issue. All right. So uh, we could keep hashing that out, but we got to go to your phone calls. Let's talk to Paula in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live, Paula. Hi, good evening, boys. Uh, the thing I was ta- thinking about when you were talking about all of this is that I think the main reason they started this was, I mean, the driver's license, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like this. They were trying to make sure that people that were out on the road knew what they were doing. And I think also it was brought up, too, that, if, you know, if you were to do something crazy to, you know, to uh, cause harm to other people, you know, they have a way of curtailing it, you know, like with their police departments, all this. But the thing is, is that, sure, we've got a right to travel, that's right. But the thing is, I mean, I think this was some of the reasons why they did this. You know, so people would, they'd know for sure these people, you know, are able to get out there and drive and not end up killing somebody. Mm. 
Well, in the so, early days of automobiles, even those little clunkers they used to drive weren't very fast, but most people didn't know what the heck they were doing with them before driver's yeah. licenses. And but the thing is, uh, this free state thing you're talking about, I've been trying to get Florida to go this route. Never going to happen. We well, there for that reason. Well, hopefully it will because my cousin is one of the state reps, and uh, I've read a couple of them are, but anyway, uh, I think this is a good thing. I've already talked to him about it. And uh, I was telling you what was going on up there in New Hampshire. And uh, yeah. anyway, there's some other, couple other things that are very important. Um, Florida suffers from a similar night, problem. But... Uh, just as an aside, Florida suffer, suffers from a similar problem that New Hampshire suffers from, and that is that people from places like uh, socialist enclaves like uh, New Hampshire, or, excuse me, New York and Massachusetts and Vermont have a tendency to move into New Hampshire because they don't like being taxed, but at the same time they want to impose their social programs on everybody and their uh, their government programs. So they come here and they try to build little versions of Massachusetts right here in New Hampshire. Same thing happens in Florida where there's an incredible uh, exodus of people from New Jersey and New York uh, with a socialist mentality coming down there and retiring and, and bringing and their families down to Florida. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you've got an, a constant influx of people who are essentially in favor of, of big government coming in there. Well, it's, it's, it, I believe you are facing a next-to-impossible task. Well, the thing is, now, we've had a lot of people leave Florida, too, because of the, you know, the hurricane problems we've been having that our dear little government created. But, what? Uh, Wait a minute. Lost Hold on no. a second. Wait a minute. What, what problem did the government... Now, I'm all in favor of blaming the government for things, Katrina, but Katrina, let me tell you about Katrina. Uh, Japan came on the air about Katrina, mm-hmm. and they actually helped with this. They helped? Too. Helped what? We have weather manipulation, okay? We can even cause global warming with chemicals, okay? Oh, I thought you were going to say but, Godzilla did it. I mean, we had two chemtrails coming down the state of Florida, plus we had an X created right in the middle of the state... Then Come on, Paul. Now, wait a minute. What well, was the, the motivation? I would say the government did cause this. Katrina, but not for the same reasons that uh, Paul is talking Why about. Why would the government... I mean, if the government can control the weather... We're trying to bring martial law. How often... <laughs> Well, then why don't they do it now? Uh, how uh, often do they use well, the, their in, controls? It's, it's about to happen if we don't stop it. But uh, Why didn't it, it happen last week? I mean, if they can control the weather, why don't they just bur- you know gurgle up can, another they hurricane? They can control it. They can do it. As a matter of fact, Japan actually helped control do what. Well, they helped Katrina do what she did. It's they it's just nonsense. It. I'm sorry, Paula. It's fa- well, paranoid claptrap. I, I came on the radio. <laughs> well, there's all <laughs> kinds of things that come on the radio, especially like colon cleansers and that sort of thing. You got to question well, everything some you hear on the radio. Other things that are important too that people need to know, and they need to contact their representative. Well, call us tomorrow and tell us about it then, Paula. Thanks for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Look, the the weather modification thing. I'm not denying that there might be some way to have an influence over the weather. It's plausible. You know, like it the is. Chinese, they go and they fly, they were talking about changing the weather for the Olympics. But what they had to do in that case was fly and uh, dump some chemical out of the back of an airplane, essentially, and seed the clouds, basically, to... Was, wasn't it to stop the rain or something like that? Well, they make it rain um, in one place, so the cloud is then, um, you know... Dissipates it. Yeah, right. it doesn't yeah. have the The cloud seeding's been going on for a long time. They've been doing that since probably the 
fifties or sixties. But they, that's not what Paul is referring to. That's not what she's referring to. She's talking about you know literally some government agency where they have a you know control panel with a bunch of lights flashing <laughs> on it, a couple joysticks, and then they, you know can just punch up a you know a typhoon over here, and then a you know great forest fire over there or whatever. I guess that's not weather, but uh, mm. but hurricane. Oh, we need a hurricane in the Gulf. Boop, 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 boop. Okay, there you go. Okay, let's direct it towards Florida now. I mean, come on. That's what these people believe. They believe that there's this program called HARP that has, uh, you know, the secret weather controlling devices manufactured by Nikola Tesla and well, all kinds of crap. HARP is up there in Alaska. There's, yeah. there's something there, but it, 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 as to it controlling the weather, Nonsense. at least to any significant yeah. um, extent, it, it does seem odd that we had all those hurricanes in, in that one, you know, a couple of years ago in Florida, and now there aren't any. Maybe, Mark, here's the ex- here. You know what? I just figured it out. Oh, God. We'd always wondered why. We used to live in Sarasota, Florida. And one of the nice things about living in Sarasota, Florida, is that it, despite the fact that Florida just gets slammed with hurricanes all up and down the west and the east coast, for some reason there's a chunk of the west coast right around the Sarasota area that never gets hit struck just straight on with a hurricane. Sarasota hasn't been hit with a hurricane in, in over in, since they've been uh, tracking hurricanes. Right. And so, I mean, they've hit all over the entire rest of Florida, except for Sarasota. Maybe the guy who's in charge of the weather modification program has a, house on has a retirement home there. Hmm. You know what? Or maybe I, I don't believe it or disbelieve it, but nothing surprises me anymore. Well, I, it is easy to disbelieve because it's the government, and <laughs> they, they can't really do anything very effectively. You know, I've got to make an exception to that. During the 60s, with NASA, we put a man on the moon that the United States government supposedly did, uh, if you believe that. But let's just say it, let's just say it happened. Yeah, so, I'd like to say that happened. I but, think well, it happened. Some people well, disagree. I think the reason why it happened, though, is that we were in competition with the Russians. That's correct. And, and once, but once uh, that happened, uh, we put a few men on the moon. What, what has NASA done since? Not Blown much. up a few shuttles? Yeah. <laughs> really, they haven't. You know, they've gone shot shuttles up there. They've circled around the Earth. They, it's know, really more of a history of failure than anything else. And this, you know, the same thing with the weather modifi- modification. I mean, if it's true that they can modify the weather, then why don't they do it more often? If they need to use that as an excuse to impose martial law, what are they waiting for? Just punch up a new hurricane. It's bunk. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. And only moments remain, but just enough time for your call. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where the features are totally free. So enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go and buy my house. It's available right now (laughs) for you house.freetalklive.com. We are talking about how Sarasota, Florida, just doesn't get hit by hurricanes historically since they've been measuring where hurricanes hit. It hasn't gotten one. So it's a, it's probably the best place to live in Florida, and you could live there. house.freetalklive.com. No, I'm serious. I really want to sell it. So you'll, I think you'll like it. It's minutes away from the beach. Mm-hmm. Nice 3-2. Uh, 
Wayne, you should drive by it when you go back down to Florida just so you can see what it's looked like. I it, will. It That's a good like. part of town, too. Yep, it's a nice one. House.freetalklive.com. You know, we were talking a moment ago about this absurd idea. It's, at least it's absurd, in my opinion, that uh, the government has the ability to control the weather. And they've managed to keep it under wraps for all these years. Like, you know, whoever it was, all these developers and the scientists and the people testing the, these alleged weather modification programs have managed to keep it all hush-hush for however many decades it's been And how been valuable in it would be. You know, yeah, this is incredible. Didn't, I mean, it, yeah, didn't it rain? Didn't it just pour um, the last Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't you, pay attention. Yeah, I understand, but I mean, you know, think how valuable it would be if the uh, if it didn't pour. Yeah, out the all NFL those rich would people. pay big bucks for that, right? Uh, or you could, you know, swing a hurricane. If there is a hurricane, you could just sort of get your little joystick and swing it away from any land. Just keep them all out in the ocean. I mean, that'd be great. And you know, the idea that government could even do something like this a puts a lot of faith in the concept of government, which it doesn't deserve to have, uh, and and B, you know, the idea that mankind, period, not even just government, but mankind has the ability to manipulate the weather, nature, the force of nature. I mean, what we're okay at doing is risk management and sort of protecting ourselves to some extent. But if Mother Nature wants to have her way with you, there's yeah. not a damn thing you can say or do or button you can press that's going to do anything about that. Yeah. Well, nature still is very powerful. I don't know that it, uh, it it wants to have its way in any way, shape, or form. But it's not. That I wasn't suggesting yes. it has a consciousness. I'm just saying if there's a storm coming your way, you can't yeah, do anything but prepare. Yeah. Yeah. You can prepare yourself and try to keep yourself alive, have a boat, have some food on hand, and do that sort of thing. But to actually control the weather, you are living in a fantasy. Please don't give these government people that much credit. In fact, uh, we might check in with the founder of the Weather Channel on uh, the whole global weather issue in a moment. But first, let's go to the phones and talk to you, uh, Sam in England. You're on the line, Sam. Hello there. Hello. Um, I'm sorry if you can't hear me very well. I'm actually talking to you over my laptop at the moment. Oh, wow. So, it actually sounds all right. What's on your mind tonight? Um, well, firstly, I want to talk, well, only, I want to talk about um, contaminated cannabis. I mean, I'm, this might sound crazy, but it's not as crazy as weather manipulation or anything like that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, basically, about a year ago now, almost, all over England, um, all the major cannabis, all these illegal grow operations were set up where all of a sudden taken out by the police. I mean, not just one at a time, all of them wow. disappeared all at once. Then roughly two or three weeks later, the, match, uh, the market was saturated with contaminated cannabis. With what? And, contaminated uh, with what? Um, glass mainly, microscopic glass. Glass? Um, glass. Okay. Uh, Okay, um, basically, I mean, I, I used to smoke it, but this, this has stopped me personally because um, you can't buy any weed anywhere without seeing these tiny little sparkly, shiny things. I mean, you really, really do have to look. I mean, who, deter who determined that it was glass? Um, well, nobody that I know, but I've, I've, I've done my research over it. Uh, if you go on YouTube or something like that and type in contaminated cannabis, there's a lot of stories about it. Huh. Um, Are you sure there's not just really crystalline uh, marijuana? I mean, good marijuana has crystals on it. Are you not con you're not confusing those? With yeah. Glass? Yeah, I'm, I'm not confusing those. Two. I've been, I know quite a bit about it, and uh, I've been timestamped a few times, you know. So, <laughs> but, what, um, is the purpose of this to... 
what is, is the purpose of this when someone's taking a hit off of a pipe or something that the glass is so small it can go through a screen and just like jam in the back of your throat? What is the purpose of it? Do you think? I I honestly do not have any idea. The official uh, government explanation for it was it was Dutch gangs trying to add weight to their product. Or, so, um, but they could do that I mean, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, crushing yeah, up glass uh, seems like an expensive uh, and time-consuming proposition. I mean, one of the cheaper ways to do it is to just take a spray bottle and spray the stuff it. down. Mm. Oh, exactly, exactly. I, I do agree with you wholeheartedly. That's why I think the whole thing's a bit iffy. I mean, to use glass to contaminate, it seems senseless. You know, in the 70s, there was a problem with Paraquat, I guess, which was an herbicide that they were spraying on a lot of the crops in Mexico the marijuana crops, and mm-hmm. some of my friends who smoked used to be paranoid about the pot having paraquat in it and, really? and poisoning them. You know, it's a, it's a fact yeah. is, you're getting it from the black market. You don't know what they're putting on that. I mean, it may not be, it may not be glass, but they could be spraying these things, uh, you know, the, with all kinds of pesticides or who knows what's on that marijuana. It's black market products, so there's no quality control. And it's definitely something people sh- should be concerned with, though I don't think most people are. So, I mean, I doubt most people in Br- Great Britain have stopped smoking cannabis. I mean, you, you are probably one of the few. Yeah, I definitely am. I mean, I, I spoke to some of my friends about it. Um, they just brush it off and say, no, no, don't, don't worry about it, mate. There's nothing dodgy about this. So are, are people showing up in the hospitals with uh, little bits of glass lodged in their lungs? Um, in their intestines? Not yet. But, um, the How long has it, it been going on? It's called a... Uh, and that, that is essentially a time bomb ticking away in your lungs. Hmm. Having um, having microscopic up. pieces of glass, and now they're not microscopic, excuse me, but very small pieces of glass in your yeah. lungs is yeah. uh, obviously not a not a good thing. But you've not actually seen anything that confirms this, or it's just it's like uh, websites that claim it. Um, yeah, I mean it's on BBC uh, news that they found um, microscopic or very small particles of glass. It's on the um, all sorts of websites. I that. wonder, I, I mean, this is news to me. Obviously, yeah, so, I don't, totally I, news to I me. I don't live over there. I'd love to see some of these stories. Um, if you can, maybe send a couple of them to the uh, the Free Talk Live show prep address. It's FTL at freetalklive.com. And I'd love to take a look at this because it sounds to me like it's got to be being blown way out of proportion. It, it, it's difficult to uh, infiltrate for the government to infiltrate the uh, the black market in that manner. In that, um, you know, I mean, generally dealers have their dealers, and th- those dealers have their dealers, and they'd have to be very high up and and just say, "You're going to take this glass contaminated weed, or else." And it, I don't know. It's, it, sorry but, to interrupt. It's it's, but it's nowhere near as hard to infiltrate the black market as you say. Once you have shut down all the competition then you can put whatever product you want into circulation. Sure, but the, somebody has to buy it. You know, they, they have to be willing to, to purchase it from new people, and, you know, that's that's what's difficult with, uh, yeah, at least here in the United States, I guess it's probably more legal, um, weed's more legal over there. Well, I, I, I don't think so, really. It's more relaxed over in Europe than it is anything else. But mm-hmm. um, recently, you, I have been... I'm sorry, I have no idea where I was going with that. Go <laughs> That's all right. It's it's just an amazing and stunning allegation. I'm really kind of caught flat-footed. I don't really know what to say to it other than, well, we wouldn't have this problem if it weren't for the insane war on drugs, and drugs were in the, you know, re-legalized, and they were actually, these plants were being manufactured by individuals and companies that actually cared about their customers instead of just some black marketeers just looking to make a quick buck. Uh, I don't know if it's really the government or what's going on there. I don't know what the true story is, and I don't know how widespread it is. I find it hard to believe 
that people are knowledgeably putting glass into their lungs. I, 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 I'm hoping this is just a problem that is you feel is more widespread than it actually is, but until I can see the articles for myself, it's all speculation. But thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing yeah, from no you. Problem. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Jeremy in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hello, Jeremy. Jeremy, Montana, going once. Jeremy in Montana, going twice. That guy needs a new cell phone. <laughs> His calls get dropped more often than any other calls on the show. So I guess you're right. Pretty pretty stunning. Uh, just to summarize this Weather Channel, the founder of the Weather Channel has written an article uh, talking about the global warming situation, calling it a scam, uh, the greatest scam in history, saying he's appalled and highly offended by it, uh, talking about how these uh, scientists with environmental and political motives have manipulated long-term scientific data to create an illusion of rapid global warming. Other scientists of the same environmental wacko type jumped into the circle to support and broaden the research to further enhance the totally slanted, bo- bogus global, global warming claims. Their friends in government steered huge research grants their way to keep the movement going, and soon they claimed to have a consensus he says environmental extremists, notable politicians among them, then teamed up with movie, media, and other environmentalist journalists to create this wild scientific scenario of the civilization threatening environmental consequences from global warming unless we adhere to their radical agenda, which is basically sending us back to the Stone Ages. Yeah. No that, more combustion mm-hmm. engines and that sort of thing. Kind of nonsense. He goes on to just call it absolutely ridiculous and that there's no way, uh, there is in no way runaway climate change. The impact of humans on climate is not catastrophic and our planet is not in peril and he's not the only scientist who thinks so it's been in here with you wayne and mark see you tomorrow night online in the meantime freetalklive.com dvd books music instruments periodicals computers software electronics photo cell phone office product home and garden bed and bath furniture kitchen pet supply automotive hardware apparel shoes jewelry grocery healthcare, sports and outdoors toys games used and more it's a department store at your fingertips amazon.freetalklive.com get all your shopping done a great deal delivery to your door and a percentage of your purchase will go to free talk live when you enter amazon through amazon.freetalklive.com